Hey moms, welcome to Unhurried Christmas Grace. This is a short series of devotionals that I'm doing during the month of December to help keep our hearts and minds focused on the Lord during this Christmas season. I was talking to my husband the other day and both of us were saying how we are really struggling with having the same Christmas joy or excitement that we would typically have during this season. And I had to laugh because he said, my goal this Christmas is basically just not to ruin it for anybody else. And I I was, I literally laughed out loud. I said, you know, I can take that pledge with you. I, I'll be in agreement with you on that. So whether or not we actually start to have the feelings or not, we made the decision that we're not going to ruin it for anybody else. But I will say that getting into the Word of God really, really makes a difference. Um, today, I'm reading from Luke 1, 39 to 55. Um, there's a lot of really great stuff in here. If you ha- didn't listen to the uh, last week's podcast, uh, the the Unhurried Christmas Grace, where I was talking about how God, uh, when God flips the plan, I would encourage you to go listen to that. But today we're going to be reading from Luke 1, verses 39 to 55. And basically we're picking up um, where we left off in the story last week. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So I just want to go back through this passage. And there are some things that stood out to me, and you may have even noticed them as I read through the passage. But in verse 41... When Elizabeth's, um, excuse me, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about that. The first person to rejoice like that in the coming of Jesus was a baby in his mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. That baby leaped for joy in his mother's womb. And then she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she prophesied. And I don't know if you are familiar with um, kind of how things worked in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit wasn't here on an ongoing basis living inside of believers 
in an ongoing way, that's something that we have benefited from. That's a benefit that we have received since Jesus came. When Jesus came um, and walked this earth, and then he died and he rose again, and then he went back to heaven, he left the Holy Spirit to live within Um, He sent the Holy Spirit to live within each and every believer. So what happened in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit would come upon these people and they would prophesy and they would speak out the words that God was putting in their mouths and in their hearts. And so um, she prophesied and as she prophesied, she basically said, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. So we know um, that John was prepared, was called to prepare the way for the Messiah. So the baby that Elizabeth was carrying was, was the prophet John, and his purpose was to prepare the way to pre- uh, prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. So God's purpose for him was evident even when he was in the womb. Think about that, mamas. If you are pregnant right now, God has a plan and a purpose for that baby that's living inside of you because he is the giver of life. No one can create life except for God. Whether the baby is ill-timed or not is irrelevant. God has chosen to give that child life and to bring that child that child into the world and he's chosen you to be the way in which that happens. And he has a plan and a purpose for that child. I don't think this was just um, something that happened to Jesus and to John. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every life that he creates. I also love how in verse 45, Elizabeth says to Mary, you are blessed because you believed what the Lord would do that the Lord would do what he said. Now, think about that. Why did she say that Mary was blessed? Was it because she was perfect or smart or did everything right? No, she was blessed because she believed. That reminded me of Genesis 15, 6, where the same thing was said about Abraham. It says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other translations, it says that he believed God and was counted as righteous because he believed. Moms, it doesn't matter um, if we're perfect or particularly smart or doing everything right. Our righteousness is based on our belief that we believe in the Son of God, that he came and he died for us and he rose again and he's given us new life. That leads me to verse 48, where Mary proclaims, he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary had a posture of humility, an attitude of humility, and she humbled herself before the Lord, and he made her name known through all generations but she hum- she was a humble servant and she considered herself a humble servant of the Lord. If we look at verse 51, um, she also declares that his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has shattered the scattered the proud and the haughty 
ones. So what does God think about pride? He's not fond of it. In fact, he, he hates it because it is an obstacle between us and God. Our pride is what causes us to feel like we have to be self-sufficient and autonomous and not dependent on God when the reality is that he created us to be dependent on him. He honors those who humble themselves before him. And if you look at verse 51, um, I think about how powerful God is. And that's really what Mary is speaking about. She's speaking about his mighty arm that has done tremendous things. It reminded me of our last uh, study that we did last week when we were talking about Elizabeth and um, how she was barren. And she just assumed she was getting older too old, really, to become pregnant and bear a child. And that was a real, um, uh, it was, it, it caused shame and dishonor in a culture, beca- in that culture. And it was interesting because when Gabriel was speaking to, uh, to Mary and telling her that she was going to be the one to bring the Messiah into the world, The last thing he said was he told her about Elizabeth's pregnancy and he, his last sentence was, is anything impossible for God? We serve a mighty, mighty God. Verse 52 says he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Once again, there's an emphasis on humility, but also I think this is really um, relevant in where we are right now as as a culture and as a country and really across the world as we're feeling the oppression of government, um, specifically state governments, um, but really we're feeling it across the board. This declaration to me is is really pointing out and... um, shedding a light on the reality that Jesus alone is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. No government, no king has authority over Jesus because the truth is that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They'll either do it now or they will do it later. But regardless... Jesus has authority in the here and the now over every government and every king. So we as believers humble ourselves under his mighty hand. And in due time, we know that he will lift us up. Let's honor him as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's very easy to get preoccupied with so much of what's happening right now and the lockdowns and and the feelings of oppression. We need to remember who our King is. Verse 55, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And you'll notice throughout this song that Mary proclaimed um, 
that there's a multi-generational perspective. That's something that we've lost in our culture. Our culture is very individualistic and here and now, only concerned about instant gratification, does not think about the next generation and the generation after that. And yet that is a biblical perspective. And the, the sad thing is... You know, you expect that from the world, but the church has embraced this as well. The church has embraced the culture's view of children. God says children are a blessing, and it it displays over and over again through Scripture that we should have a multi-generational view. So the decisions that we make, we aren't just making for us. We are making for our children and our children's children. I realize that a lot of people believe that Jesus is coming back soon, but we do not know the day or the hour. I would encourage you, I would implore you to think beyond that, to not settle in your heart that we're going to be pulled out of here soon, but instead to take on the biblical posture that we could have generations coming after us. We need to live as though the times are going to continue and we need to make decisions accordingly. We need to embrace, the church needs to embrace a multi-generational viewpoint and do it wholeheartedly. So I want to ask you and I want to ask myself, how are we humbling ourselves this Christmas season? How are we taking that posture of waiting? Because Advent is really a time of waiting. This time that we're in right now is a time to take a posture of humble waiting. But we're but it's not just waiting. It is a it is waiting with joyful expectation to celebrate the birth of Christ. It's joyful expectation not of the perfect Pinterest Christmas, but rather the tangible, effective presence of a great redeemer. We are looking forward to that day where we celebrate when Jesus came to earth, because he is the one who transforms and makes beauty for ashes. He is the one who brings redemption into our lives. Moms, this isn't just about spending eternity with God. It is about the here and the now. It is about redemption here and now. God wants to transform our lives. He wants to take these ashes, and he wants to make them beautiful. He wants to take what's ugly and broken, and he wants to bring healing and redemption. So let's take that humble posture of waiting on God and asking for him to bring transformation and redemption into every area of our lives. I'm going to include a link to a song by Lauren Daigle called The Light of the World. And I just want to encourage you to close your eyes, to humble your heart, and to receive your Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this reminder in your word of what a special time this is a time that should be set aside in humble expectation to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who has authority over everything and everyone. He is the one we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>